You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. So we're on the last day of the festival, at least the last day of Sukkot. So that's the seventh day. We haven't yet entered Shemini Atzeret. So we haven't entered the eighth day yet. But we're on the seventh day and we learnt about beating the willows and beating the palm branches on the altar. And straight after, I mean, this is a something that maybe reminds us of being in a modern shul. Straight after we've done the beating of the palm branches, the children eat their etrogim. Miyad hatinokot shomtim et luluvehen veochlin et etrogehen. This is the seventh Mishnah now, the fourth chapter. So straight away, the kids undo their lulavim. So the species are no longer bound together, by the way. So this is no longer, if you like, the, the four species because they're not bound together. I guess you could say it's not a lulav. And what do they do? They eat the etrog. I, I guess the adults are not doing this because the etrog is set aside for a mitzvah. So it's effectively dedicated for a mitzvah for the rest of the day. I mean, they could eat their etrogim the next day. But the children, I, I guess these are kids who are below bar mitzvah. So, okay, they know they don't need the etrog anymore. They untie a lulav, they eat them straight away. That is the seventh day of Sukkot. So we finished officially Sukkot, and now we're going to get on to the eighth day. Halel v'asimcha shmona ketzad. So Halel and rejoicing are on eight. How does that work? And this teaches that someone were obliged on Halel and on Simcha and on, on um, giving respect to Yom, the last day of the Chag. Just as on all the other festival days. And of course, I think here the Mishnah is referring to festival days of Sukkot, actually. Why do we bother saying this? Well, because the the we already learned that the Torah is specific about the fact that we're commanded to rejoice for seven days, not for eight days. But the Gemara is going to drush the expression ach, vehayita ach sameach. You shall be certainly happy. Vehayita ach sameach. You'll be certainly happy, and that. Ach is drushed by the Gemara to mean that you're happy for an extra day, for an eighth day, even though the Torah only says you are going to be happy for seven days. Sukashiva Ketzad. So the Sukkah is for seven days. So we're going to celebrate for eight days, but the Sukkah is only for seven. So what are we going to do? Gemara Milecho, Lo Yatir Sukato. Someone finishes eating. This is finishing eating on the seventh day. We're, we're, we're all this whole Mishnah doesn't say specifically. I'm talking about the seventh day, but whether we're talking about the children eating their etrogim or or finishing eating the sukkah, we're, we're in the seventh day now. Gamami So someone's finished eating his meal on the seventh day. He shouldn't untie his sukkah. Because the sukkah needs to be standing up right until the end of the seventh day. 
And of course, once we get to the end of that day, well, it's already hug. It's going to be Shmini Atzeret. So we certainly can't untie it on the eighth day. So we're not going to untie it. Aval, morid et ha-kelim min ha-mincha u-lemala mipnei chavod yom tov ha-acharon shel chag. But we're going to take out the furniture from the time of the mincha and onwards in honor of the last day of the festival. In other words, we're going to gradually transfer ourselves from the sukkah back into the house. The sukkah was our permanent house for seven days and we're shifting back into the, the other house. And the question must come, well, the sukkah's beautiful. What if we actually wanted to stay in the sukkah on the eighth day? And it's extraordinary, at least to my mind, that the rabbis in the Jerusalem Talmud, at any rate, seem to bend over backwards to find a way in which someone who enjoyed his sukkah could actually stay there on the eighth day. Rabbi Acha, Rabbi Chinna, B'Shem Rav Hoshea. So Rabbi Acha and Rabbi Hinnan in the name of Rav Hoshea, and this is what they say. This is the the solution they recommend. Someone who loves his sukkah, whose sukkah is really beloved, whose whose soul pants after his sukkah. That's sort of the language of the Areva. It's a it's a yearning. Someone who yearns after his sukkah. He should make Kiddush for the last day of the holiday inside his house. So, you know, sometimes during Sukkot, when it's raining, we make Kiddush in the Sukkot and eat in the house. This is the opposite. We're going to make Kiddush in the house. Yeah? We're going to make Kiddush in the house. And then, And then he's going to go up and he's going to eat in his Sukkot. So there is a way, if we can, if we, you know, if we really feel the need to do this we could actually sit in the sukkah on the eighth day but we're going to make kiddush in the house what else is going to be on the seventh day well it's going to be the water libation and we need to ask just as we've asked how did the water libation work and of course, this is something where the Torah doesn't tell us anything. The water libation is It's a tradition. It's only an oral tradition. Nothing is written down in the, in the Torah. And I suppose this recording in the Mishnah is the earliest record that we have of how it was done. So this is really a historical document, this Mishnah. Slochit shel zahav machazeket shlosha lugim hayam he used to fill a golden flask holding three logs. Three logs is about three quarts. A log is about a quart. It's about 300 milliliters. He used to fill a golden flask holding three logs from the Shiloach. The Shiloach is a stream that was running at the bottom of the city of David. Actually, King Chizkiahu cut a tunnel from the, uh, the base of the spring from the Shiloach right up to a pool at the base of the city so that the water supply of the city should be secure in times of siege. In fact, this is a, a photograph of, of an inscription written in Old Hebrew script from the time of King Chizkiyahu that essentially celebrates the completion of that tunnel. It's an inscription that was found inside the tunnel by archaeologists about, a, I think, about 100 years, just over 100 years ago now. 
So, but they wouldn't, they wouldn't use a tunnel. They would go down and they would fill this golden jug from the Shidalach, from the spring. Then they'd bring it up. They'd come into the water gate. That's one of the gates of Jerusalem. It's mentioned in the Mishnah Shkalim. We, we've seen the water gate in the list of gates of Jerusalem. They'd sound a takia. That's a long blast, a terua, that's a pop, 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 and again a tekia, long blast. So, and the the water libation is is essentially it's a prayer for rains. We said already that Sukkot is the time when the whole of the world is judged for rain. So we're going to pour water on the altar, and this is a happy time. Um, there's a verse from Shaftem Maim Basason, you shall draw watery happiness. It's a happy time, and we're going to blow a blast on the shofar just to celebrate. Then, as he after he comes up, Allah va chevesh, so he goes up the ramp to the altar, ufanali small, and he turns to his left. So we're going to the altar's on the south side. He's going to turn to his left. Shnei sfalim shal kesef hayusham, and there are two jugs of water there and we actually looked at a picture of the temple just a couple of days ago let me just try and find that picture for you you can see on the top of this picture it's on the source sheet if you're listening on the podcast on the top of the altar you can see the ramp coming up to the altar you can see on the left hand side of the ramp because the Kohen has turned left when he got to the top of the ramp so he's now on south side. He's now on the west side of the altar. And he's actually pouring water from the golden jug into a little pot on the corner of the altar. So you can see that the picture on the saw sheet actually describes the material in this Mishnah. So there are two silver bowls, two silver pots. Rabbi Yudalmer shall sit hayu mushuch rarin Rabbi Yudah says they were a plaster, but their surfaces were darkened because of the wine. We are there are two pots, one for water and one for wine. And they were pierced like two slender nostrils. So there are two little holes. In these bowls. One was wide and the other was narrow. Apparently, the viscosity of the wine was more than the viscosity of the water. And and we the the, the Kohanim wanted both pots to I mean both pots are going to be filled up at the same time, but the Kohanim wanted both pots to empty at the same time. So the one for wine has a slightly wider hole than the one for water because the wine is more viscous and apparently according to the Talmud anyway and I have not tried this at home maybe you could try this at home but according to the Talmud if you tried at home the wine is more viscous and it flows a bit more slowly so you need a wider a wider nostril a wider hole for the wine Ma'aravi shall maim Mizrahi shall yain the one on the west was for water, the one on the east for wine. So that picture of the Kohen who seemed to be pouring on the west and what on the he seemed to be pouring on the west. Yeah, he was pouring on water. 
If he made a mistake, if he poured the water into the one for wine or the wine into that for water, doesn't matter. He's fulfilled his obligation. Rabbi Yudah is going to disagree, by the way. Rabbi Yudah throws in a comment here. Rabbi Yudah, Omer, Belog, Hayam, Nasech, Shmone, Kol, Shmone. Rabbi Yudah says he would throw in one log. And he says, he used to put the water libation in for eight days. Whereas the is, we actually put it in for seven days. We just put it with the, um, the Mishnah says, that the Nusu Hamaim Shiva. But Rabbi Yudah has a different view. And look, it's a Halachala Moshemi Sinai. So we only have an oral tradition. So we can't prove that he's wrong. But the Halakha doesn't, doesn't go according to Rabbi Yudah. And they used to say, raise your hand to the person pouring. So they made the person pouring hold up his hand so everybody could see what he was doing. So he's going to pour into the bowl. <coughs> and by the way, the, the maybe I sh the Mishnah should have made this clear, but I should make this clear that the holes in the bowls are then going to let, as he pours into the bowl, holes are going to let the water and the wine flow out onto the altar and the altar itself has holes so the water and the wine are then going to flow down through the floor of the altar and out into the bottom of temple mount so it's a there's a built-in drainage system as he pours the water into the bowls it just flows straight out and they used to say raise your hand to the person pouring because maybe the person pouring was a Sadducee. And of course, what do we know about the Sadducees? They don't believe in verbal Torah. So they don't actually believe in Usuch HaMai because there's no verse for it in the Torah. There's no Pasuk. It's Halakhala Moshe Nemisinai. It's a verbal tradition. And sure enough, one day there was a Sadducee priest who, who messed it up on purpose. Shepam achat nisech echad al gabei raglav. One day, someone actually poured it all out on his feet. Why? Because he's a Sadducee. And he doesn't believe in the water libation. What happened? They stoned him with their etrogs. Everybody threw their etrogs at him. You can see that the people are basically from the Pharisees, are so angry at this Sadducee who messes up the water libation that they throw etrogs at him. Josephus actually brings a parallel story on Sukkot about Alexander Yanai, who's a king, but who wants to be Kohen Gadol as well. He wants to be high priest. He wants to serve in the temple. Of course, we know that the priesthood and the, the, priesthood and the kingship can't be combined. And the story is also told that the people pelted Alexander Yanai with etrogs. Whether this is the same story or a different story, I don't know. But it is an extraordinary testimony to the fact that you, we can you know, discuss theoretically about um, what the tradition says or what it doesn't say. But the people seem to have a clear view as to what the right thing to do is. And they express their view very clearly with their etrogin. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.